Since the beginning, members of the NC Advocates for Justice have been raising their voices, speaking out on behalf of those who go unheard, joining their voices to oppose injustice and support fair treatment for everyone under the law. With this podcast, Voices of NCAJ, we'll listen to those members, lawyers and legal professionals who founded the organization, whose dedication and energy kept it going and guided it through growth, change and challenges. Each conversation will inspire us to meet the future with a unified voice that channels the strengths and accomplishments of our organization. Welcome to Voices of NCAJ. This episode features one of our NCAJ Legends interviews recorded during Convention 2022. As part of our 60th anniversary celebration, each Legends episode allows a longtime member to tell their story and the story of NCAJ. Before we kick that off today, I'd like to remind you that our podcast is edited and engineered by our friends at Law Pods, a professional audio production company focused on helping lawyers make great sounding podcasts. They sweat all the details so you concentrate on the content. If you're thinking about podcasting, check them out at lawpods.com. They've made podcasting a breeze for us. Well, we're here with the NCAJ Legends interview, and I'm Helen Bedore, and I have the great fortune of interviewing my own father, Phil Bedore. Dad, welcome. Hello, Helen. Glad to be here with you. How do you feel to be considered a legend? Maybe that just comes with age. I don't think so. I don't think so. Dad, I was doing some math this weekend. We're here at the convention and I was trying to figure out how many conventions we have been to together. Do you know? Probably maybe 31. Well, so I think it's right that we both went, our first convention was the same year, right? That's right. 1989. 1989. Now you joined NCAJ in what year? I'm not sure. I tried to find out one time, and the records don't go back that far. <laughs> so, but I think it would have been sometime around 1970. I started practicing law in December of 67, and 69 or 70, I would have joined NCAJ. Could have been 68, but right in that time frame. But I, my involvement was as a member and receiving materials and attending CLE, says, but I wasn't active in the organization until, I think, about 1988, and I was invited to be on the board. I think they were interested in finding some lawyers, personal injury lawyers, from eastern North Carolina, and so I was honored to be asked to be on the board. And so you were born in um, 88, in June. We wouldn't have gone to the convention that year, but when you were one year old, we went. That was our first convention. First convention, Ocean Creek. Ocean Creek. I went every single year with you even and mom, even in high school and college. The only year I missed was the year I was studying for the bar exam. But the past two years have been a virtual convention. Right. So I think for me, this is my 30th and maybe your 31st live yeah. convention. So dad, what does NCAJ mean to you? Well, NCAJ, in many ways, it meant to me uh, professional development. I mean, it first and foremost, the reason I became a member, and first and foremost, it was to learn our craft. 
And it's just a wonderful group of people who are willing to share what they know with other people who are doing the same or similar type things. And so that's what it's meant first and foremost. But, you know, as I became active in it, that has always been important. And maybe talk about that in a little bit. But it now is more than that because I have met friends, established deep friendships. I've become to believe in every aspect of what the organization is involved in and it's family. So it's, it's much deeper than just that. I've been a member of this organization for a very, very long time and I've met many, many friends. And, you know, I've said this this morning to a number of people, but the fact that my daughter is now a member of this organization and excited about it and uh, taking you're going to be on the board and involved. You have been involved in it with the Women's Caucus and with, with other things and chairing this convention. That really means a lot to me. And I just can't help but reflect. I talked to the Abrams this morning and, you know, the fact that my daughter is dear friends with, with Noah and Melissa. And we had dinner last night with the Pishkos and your dear friends with Anna. And, you know, you're in touch with these people not maybe not daily, but certainly weekly, maybe daily. I'm, and, I'm about as in touch with them as with you. So well, right. you know, it is family, and you're you're developing dear friendships, and so it makes my heart swell with pride. I'm really, really happy about it. Well, it makes me really happy too, and I have been so excited for this weekend because I get to see so many of my favorite people. So, Dad, will you talk about you know? You served in the state legislature for many years, and in a lot of ways, your service um, to the state in politics has overlapped with your involvement in NCAJ. Will you explain that relationship and, and why those two things have been so important to each other? Yeah, well, I've, I've reflected on that recently. I was on the board for about four years. And um, when I was elected to the General Assembly, I, I went off the board. But let me tell you this. This is, I think, is important, is in the last year that I was on the board, I can't remember what the committee was, but I attended a committee meeting that Roger Smith, my law school classmate, came and talked to us about what the sentencing commission was doing. And it had to do with structured sentencing and balancing sentencing policy with the spaces available. At that time, we were letting people out of prison about it almost as fast as they were going in. They were given probation because we didn't have the, the spaces so that the sentence was meaningless. Well, they had come up with a bill for structured sentencing to redo the complete way, and I was just enamored with it. I thought it was a great idea, just a great idea. So when I went to the General Assembly, I asked Speaker Dan Blue to put me on the Judiciary Committee that was going to be considering that bill. Now, that seed of that came from NCAJ, and he did that. I never knew that. He did that, and Dan Blue put me on that committee. Well, that bill was not given a very good chance of getting passed. In fact, it was assigned to a subcommittee. And I was made chair of the subcommittee, a freshman who's made chair of the subcommittee. And the joke was when a, when a bill was assigned to a subcommittee, that was like a death sentence. Right. But I took it seriously. And there was no time for the subcommittee to meet. So we met at 730 in the morning 
And there were a lot of people at the table. And NCAJ played a big role. They were there represented by Marianne Talley. Right. The DAs were there. Dick Taylor was involved in it. And I'm going to make a very long story short, but that subcommittee negotiated a bill which was acceptable to both the DAs and the trial lawyer, Defense Bar. Wow. And um, that bill ended up going to the House floor, and the sponsor of the bill asked me to help her present it. That almost never happens, and it passed. That's where I met Tom Ross, who was chair of the sentencing right. commission. And uh, then it went over to the Senate, and, of course, there was, it had momentum. The governor got behind it, and the bill passed. Structured sentencing is still in place today. And that was in 1993. And that was my big thing. And the fact that I played um, such a role in that, I'm not trying to, it increased my stature in the, in the legislature. It did. I got a very high ranking in terms of uh, effectiveness. NCAJ played a role in that. One, that's where I learned about it. Two, it was in working with people. And then when I was in the legislature, because I was a, a member of NCAJ, Dick Taylor and the others would come to me and I would carry some bills for them. And I did that and was had the chance to play a role in some workers' comp legislation, the uh, what we call uh, 102J, 97102J. That, was, that had to be redone because of a, a court case. And we successfully did that. And, and there was another bill involving underinsured motorists that, you know, that was worked out. But basically, I handled those bills. And any number of those, those are two that come to mind. I was real involved in mediation and uh, setting up mediation in workers' comp cases, for instance. That was my bill. Another bill that I did that NCAJ was supportive of, it wasn't an NCAJ bill, but it was very supportive, gave... Um, DAs the ability to do other than the death sentence in capital cases. So life without parole. Wow. And so that has had a big influence on reducing the death sentences in North Carolina. That's people forget that. But back in the day, the DAs, if it was a capital offense, had to try for the death penalty. Wow. So uh, anyhow, I was kind of the go-to guy. And for NCAJ and was proud to. And in that process, uh, Dick Taylor and I became very good personal friends. And in fact, we started, uh, you remember this because you were friends with his His daughter, with his his daughters. And so uh, we would have a room next to each other at the convention. You remember our suite, our room was next to theirs at the convention. Well, that was all while I was in the legislature. Right. That's right. So then when I was defeated the last time and left the legislature, then I was asked to be the uh, legislative vice president. At NCAJ. At NCAJ. On the executive On the executive committee. Executive board, yeah. And I held that position for six years, I think longer than anybody else has been legislative vice president. And then uh, David Pishko, who now has become a very dear friend, was president, and um, he invited me to be president-elect. And so you served as president 2010 to 2011. Right. President-elect. President-elect going into that. But before that, yeah, yeah. And then since then, I've been on the PAC board, so. Right. What? Tell me a little bit about, you know, how you've benefited in your practice from 
in CHA, whether it's associating lawyers or your CLE or that, you know, the other involvement? All of the above. Yeah. The CLEs, the CLE materials have been instrumental in helping me figure out problems in developing trial strategy and developing my cases. The materials and the seminars have been tremendous. And then, you know, over the years when I've had a medical malpractice case or a nursing home negligence case, which are areas that I'm not comfortable with doing myself, you know, I've associated lawyers that I have met at NCAJ and most recently David Pishko, who we've been able to work together and with his daughter, who is your friend on some nursing home uh, negligence cases. But when I was president, I don't know if they still do it or not, but but back then, we were encouraged to develop a theme for our presidency, and mine was education. And what I promoted and what got started and eventually was done was uh, was two new books. And one of the books was on workers' comp, which Valerie Johnson was the co-editor of, and it's a very popular, very important book, and the other on personal injury. So those two books... They didn't actually come out during my presidency, but they they had their beginning in my presidency and and then I think came out the next year. So I'm really proud of that. Those two books are good sellers yeah. and are used by uh, members of the, of, the, of the profession. John McCabe has a very important article in the personal injury book. And what is just amazing here is the amount of time and energy and effort that other members give to teach their fellow lawyers, their craft. Right. It's been just truly amazing and and wonderful. One of the things that I have had absolutely nothing to do with, but the development of people of your age is the listserv, which is so popular. And that is a way that daily people have questions and share their craft. And that is a, a new innovation that I have absolutely nothing to do with, but I'm very, very proud to see. I mean, I think there are people who join NCAJ now because they want to be on the list, sir. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Well, um, let me ask you about kind of outside of NCAJ and just generally as a trial lawyer, you know, when you first started practicing law, my understanding is that you did whatever, you took whatever came in the door. Absolutely. Family law to criminal law to personal injury. But um, you've since arrived at, more of a niche in your practice? Well, you know, the personal injury practice, uh, the workers' comp practice was always what I thought I wanted to do, but I mean, I didn't have enough business right. to do that. I mean, you know, I was a young lawyer. I uh, I did have a partner in the beginning who died yeah. after we'd been practicing for a year and a half. And, you know, we did everything. We did real estate was a big part of the practice. I soon didn't do that. But, you know, as as my practice would grow and I would feel like, one part was advancing, I would drop things. Like I stopped doing criminal practice, particularly felony type cases. And then eventually I didn't do the speeding tickets anymore. And and then I dropped family law. I dropped the things that, that weren't as much of interest to me. And I even, I mean, I did some business, you know, forming corporations and partnerships and contracts and all of that stuff. And so, but, uh, you know, I've ended up probably maybe the last 30 years really doing personal injury, workers' comp, social security disability, civil litigation, you know, general civil litigation, like in will contest. Right. And then, as you know, I represent uh, the village of Walnut Creek 
I represent Wayne Community College and the Housing Authority. So I do other things. Right. Wouldn't you consider yourself a trial lawyer? I mean, we are. The I, I do. I do. Okay. I do. What is it about being a trial lawyer? Why was that your goal or your interest? Well, it's what I enjoy doing the most. It's the way I feel like I'm helpful to people who need help, who would not be able to get it without me. And um, to give their case attention, whether the proper attention, whether it's going to end up in a big fee or not a big fee, you give it the same kind of, of detail. You know, you hope that it eventually will all work out, and it has kind of over the years. You know, you don't, you don't get a big fee in a Social Security disability case, but I'll tell you, you, you see some of the happiest people you can ever see who've been turned down, turned down twice, and you take their case and you go to the, for a, an administrative law judge, you win their case. They're so grateful for what you have done for them. It gives you a really, really good feeling. And the same is true with workers' comp and, and personal injury cases, particularly in those personal injury cases where there's been a complete denial and they've not been able to be properly compensated for someone else's failure to use due care. So it's very satisfying. It's the helping people. It is. It's very, very satisfying to be able to help people. You don't get the same kind of feeling when you close a loan. For a first-time home buyer, but that can be a happy time, sure. too. But for drafting a contract, you know, sure. you don't get the same kind of... Well, on the flip side of that, I have to say, having I have got the opportunity to practice law with you for a couple of years right out of law school. And I observed that all of your years of practicing lots of different areas of law has really served you in your trial work because so many different issues can come up. You can have, That's true. you know, the defendant driver has now died and how do we go about serving his estate? And you know something about estate law. That's true. Different situations. That's true. It's true with real estate law, for instance, you know, and that's very true. They, as you and I have both talked about, there are a lot of young lawyers now in this organization, and we're a very energized, eager bunch. And you've been practicing law for over 50 years. How many years? Let's see, December of 67. So it'll be 54 years this December, 53 years. What would you say to a young, eager attorney like me, what kind of advice would you give us for our careers? Learn how to manage your time. Time management is so important. Get the proper balance between uh, your practice of law and your family. It's hard. You know, our law professors would say the law is a jealous mistress. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's hard. But work at that. And work at how you spend your time in practicing law. I look, I've been practicing for 53 years and I still haven't achieved it. But there things come up and you find yourself chasing rabbits or tracing little trails here and there and, and fighting fires. And sometimes that can be at the expense of where you should be spending a lot of time on a on an important case. And so it's hard to manage that, but you you have to constantly be aware and to work at it. Well, you bring up a really good point, Dad, because at one point in your career, you were partner in a law firm and a state legislator and in the 
Army National Guard Reserves as a JAG officer or a JAG, you say it. Yeah. You were a JAG officer. Yeah. And that was a lot. How did you manage your time and find a way to show up at my dance recitals or? I don't know. It was crazy. I'm sure everything got sacrificed a little bit, but I don't know, Helen. I mean, it was, when I look back on it, it was, it was not easy. And uh, I think you're, when you're serving in the legislature, there's no question that you can't spend the time, as much time on your law practice as you need to. So you've got, I had a supportive uh, law firm. I had good staff that was working for me. Well, I mean, I'll give you an example. This morning, I didn't have anything until lunchtime. So I'm on the phone with my office and going over my email. So you, you've got to juggle things. You got, what do they say? You got to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. That's right. So it's, uh, but I was younger then. Yeah. Well, you also had mom at home and your parents. I, I had, I had, I had a lot of support. I had a, that's the best way to say it. I had a strong support system from people who were around me who didn't complain. And they were just supportive of all I did. My children were supportive. My wife was extremely supportive. And and you're right. I had my parents. I had had a, a big, strong support system. Well, I have to say, when you lost that last um, election in the state legislature, I was a freshman in high school and very involved in politics, and I was devastated. But the silver lining was that you came to every single cross-country meet after that. Yeah. And I remember you yeah. being there and cross country is not a fun thing to watch because we run away and we don't come back for a while, but you were, you would be there when I'd come back. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you never want to lose and you never want to lose anything, but sometimes there's a plan. Sometimes things seem to work out. Well, and we do lose as trial lawyers, right? And we don't we win do. them all. So maybe that's a, a good um, kind of one of our last questions. What have you learned from the wins and the losses in your career? Just go with the punches. Just roll with the punches. What is it that you recently told me if it, things aren't working out? What's your saying? If it's not working out, you're not there yet. It'll all work out in the end. And if it hadn't worked out, it's not the end yet. <laughs> just keep going i guess that's keep going you know we probably shouldn't um since this is kind of a a legends thing one of the things that i have kind of been known for in ncaj a message that i have given has to do with my close relationship with the democrats and the democratic legislature because of my feeling that that they have um by and large, supported our positions. And it's been very difficult over the years as the legislature changed hands for NCAJ to manage that. But uh, whenever I have the opportunity, I, I constantly remind that you've got to make new friends, but you can't turn your back on old friends. You can't forget your old friends, those that are going to be tried and true with you. That's right. So, and uh, whose heart's in the right place. Uh, so it's a, it's a juggling act for NCAJ, and I'm glad to be still around and to be able to kind of voice that feeling from time to time when I think it's important that it be voiced. Me too. Which I did this morning. So, Dad, you have seen North Carolina take a lot of twists and turns politically with our 
school systems and our highway. I mean, you, you've seen the state develop really over your years. What do you hope to see for North Carolina? I mean, we we have. You're right. We've we've come to a certain place in history where we we are right now. And what do you hope to see in the future for North Carolina? I want North Carolina to continue to be a progressive state. And I hate to use the word, but a moderately progressive state. I mean, we have been a beacon in the South, I think. And I want us to to continue to play that role, to to see ways that we move forward in our local communities and in the state itself and to do good things for people to be continuing to be supportive of education and opportunity. And to that's what I hope for the state of North Carolina. And we're a beautiful state. We have a lot of natural resources. We have wonderful people. And I, I just want the best people for the best of people to be able to come out. I want to bring up one thing that I, again, maybe some others will talk about this, but we're here at convention and over the 33 years we've been going to convention, you know, we all kind of long for uh, Ocean Creek. It was a wonderful venue at the beach, at Myrtle Beach. We outgrew. We just became too big, the meeting space and all of that. But uh, there's been a longing to return to the camaraderie, to the feel of it. And, um, you know, then we were at Sunset Beach for a long time and things that's a, a, a history. And then when I was president, it was the first time we went to Wilmington. And I liked Wilmington a lot. The facilities there weren't, were less. And now for the first time, we've come to Charlotte. And I'm, I must say that I'm very, very impressed with the facilities we have here. And you've got, what, 260 people registered, which is after, after a, a break for two years. I think, I think this convention here is going to be a, a big success. So we're counting on you young people to, to figure it out. It's hard for us in the older generation to give up the beach, to give up the mountains. Uh, we, we cling to, to remember those things where we built our relationships. So it's been hard for me, but I think in the last year or so, I have learned to back off and turn it over to the younger group and be supportive of what decisions are made. And I kind of see that now as my role. I want y'all lead the group. I think NCAJ is in a great place now, and there have been some good changes made. I think we're in an excellent place. We've had excellent leadership. Some new programs, like the one you and some others were involved in with Leadership Next. Is that the name of it? Yep, the new leadership program. Uh, the new leadership yep. program is fantastic. And... uh now our executive director of five years, who did an excellent job, is uh, resigned to be with family, and they're going to pick somebody else. And we have a great staff, and I think NCAJ is in a really good place. I do, too. And I'm really happy to be a part of this organization and to get to be a part of it with you. Yeah. So thank you very much for spending time with me this afternoon. I've really enjoyed getting to hear some stories that I've never even heard before. And you know that you're always my number one legend. And you know that I'm very proud of you. Thank you, God. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Voices of NCAJ. For more information on the North Carolina Advocates for Justice and how to join or support NCAJ, please visit our website at www.ncaj.com.